Well, good morning, Active Church. How are you? It is so great to be with you. And I, I broke this. Um, I, I think I did actually break this. So it is so great to be with you. My name is Mike and I serve on the team. We'll see if that lasts, right? Uh, I serve on the team here at Active Church. And if we haven't met yet, what a gift it is to have you here with us at Active Church. What, what do you think? Like, can we, can we start taking bets on if this thing will actually last or not, right? Um, I'm, I'm so glad that you are actually here at Active because uh, one of the best things about Active is that we have really great equipment that, that actually lasts. Can, can somebody, uh, Richard, would you mind helping me just figure this out? Um, while I, uh, or maybe I got it. Maybe I didn't. I don't know. We'll, we'll, we'll find out. Um, nope, we don't. No. So glad that you're here today, here at Active Church. What a gift it is to have you with us. Um, if, if this is your first Sunday, normally we don't start this way. So uh, please, please forgive me. But if it is your first Sunday, we have a place called Guest Central where we would love to give you a free gift just for being here. It's our way of saying thank you. It's our way of honoring you and it's our way of getting to know you. So please stop by Guest Central today at the end of service. Two things that I wanna point your attention to. Pastor Joe mentioned it already. Next Sunday is Easter at Active. I can't wait for that day. It's going to be spectacular, and it all begins on Friday, 6.30 in this room. Good Friday is going to be a really special time, very precious time for each and every one of us. We're going to take communion together, we're going to sing together, and we're going to prepare our hearts for Easter. And then Easter Sunday, 8, 9.30, and 11, next Sunday in this room, and we would love for you to be a part of that. And if you haven't invited somebody yet, would you extend an invite? We have some invite cards if you're here on campus that are at Guest Central an easy way to invite somebody to be a part of the story that God is writing here at Active Church. And then the following Sunday after Easter, we're beginning a brand new conversation, a conversation that I think will be really helpful and really hopeful for you. Can we just say thank you to Richard? You know, the Bible says, ask and you shall receive. I didn't realize that it was actually, you ask Richard and you'll receive. That's awesome. Thank you, Richard. Uh, the Sunday after Easter, we're beginning a brand new conversation that I think will be really helpful and really hopeful for all of us. I know that life can feel a bit overwhelming. I know that often we can focus on what we're worried about and we can focus on what we're afraid of. But when you look at the first century Christians, these men and women were faithful and courageous, and brave. And I think it really boils down to one specific promise from Jesus that helped them to live the way that they lived. And that promise was the final words of Jesus before he left this earth, and his words were this, I am with you always. And the first century Christians not only just believed that, but they lived as if it was true because it is. And they lived in such a way that was so irresistible and invited the world to at least check out this story of Jesus. Now, the good news for us is that we don't have to figure out what they did. We don't have to guess. It was written down. In fact, John, who spent three years with Jesus and was a part of the first century church, he was somebody who wrote down what Jesus invites us into. And it's found in the letter of Revelation. And so the Sunday after Easter, we're going to begin a conversation through this letter at the end of the Bible. 
And we're going to discover that the promise of Jesus, I am with you always, it changes everything for you and for me. And so I hope you'll make it a priority to be here because I think that conversation will be great for you and for marriages and for parenting and for our families. Before we dive into the story today, I want to pray some words over you. So Heavenly Father, I give you this moment. I give you this time. And I pray that you would be honored in this place. Help our eyes to see what we aren't seeing. Help our minds to discover what we don't know. Help our hearts to not be overwhelmed or weary, but to be filled with what's true and what's good because of you. And it's in the name of Jesus that we can pray these things. And together we say, amen and amen and amen. We're finishing a series today called Who Needs God? And we've been exploring why we walk away or stay away from God or why we think about walking away or staying away from God or maybe why those that we love walk away or stay away. And if you've missed any of the conversation, you can always jump on our website, activechurches.com. Each of the messages are there. But today I want to invite you to do something pretty brave and pretty courageous. Today I want to invite you to be honest with you. Be honest with yourself. Because it's just you and you. So you have an opportunity to just be honest with yourself. You don't have to tell anybody about it. You don't have to talk about it out loud. You can just be honest with yourself. And I know that that's difficult because anytime that I get honest with me, I end up with a homework assignment. I end up having to repent or redeem or reconcile or do something that would solve the issue because I realize that there may be something in me that I didn't recognize until I got honest with myself. And then when I got honest with myself, I knew that I needed to have a conversation with my wife or with my kids or with my friends or with our team because somewhere along the line, I caused some damage or did something that hurt them and didn't realize it until I got honest with myself. And... I think this is really important for for you and for me. I think this is a really healthy rhythm for us, not just today, but for each and every day, because something that I'm learning is that self-deception always takes us in a bad direction. And you already know this. And one of the ways that you know this is from your growing up life. Like what would have happened in your family if your parents, those that raised you, got honest with themselves? What would have happened in your growing up life if your parents or those that raised you admitted to the things that you already knew? What would have happened in your growing up life if your mom or your dad, parent or guardian actually admitted out loud, there's an issue, I got a problem and I need some help probably would have changed everything for you, right? The tension that you feel with your parents or those that raised you probably wouldn't be the tension that you feel because they were unwilling and maybe are still unwilling to admit what's going on in them. And this isn't just about your parents. This is not to shame them. This is just to be honest with you about what it means to be honest with you. It's just you and you. And for those of us that believe in God, it's you and you and the God who loves you. And so today I want to invite you to get honest with you. And you might be asking, like, what does this have to do with us walking away from faith or staying away from God? I am so glad that you asked that question. 
And so I'm going to answer that in a few different ways. I'm going to answer that with three quotes. I'm going to answer that with a question. And I'm going to answer that with what I think is one of the most important scriptures in all of the Bible. In fact, I'm only going to give you one scripture today. So if you came to church today, maybe for the first time, and you're from a different church, or you're looking for a new church, and your, your habit is to count how many scriptures the pastor actually shares, I'm going to give you a, a spoiler alert. It's one that I'm sharing with you today. Because everything we talk about will culminate in this verse. And for some, this verse is powerful. For others, this verse may not carry too much weight. But if I do my job well, by the time we reach the words that are written in the scriptures from this one particular author, I think it'll resonate with you like it's never resonated before. The words are found in a letter that Paul writes to the Christians in Rome, Romans chapter 5, verse 8, where he says, But God demonstrates his own love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. When I was putting this message together, I didn't feel like we needed any other verses. And if I do my job well, which I hope that I do, at the end of this time together, you're gonna go, yeah, we didn't need any other verses. And so what I wanna do is, is wrestle through what we've just talked about, like being honest with ourselves. And I wanna give you three quotes, I wanna give you a question, and I wanna give you that verse. I wanna start here. Uh, Thomas Nagel wrote a book called The Mind and the Cosmos, and I love the subtitle of this book. It's why the materialistic neo-Darwinian conception of nature is almost certainly false. Like if you wanna sound smart, just memorize that subtitle, right? Walk around with that book. You reading that book? Absolutely. You wanna read the subtitle, right? Like I'm brilliant just because of what was written down there. Thomas Nagel writes in this book a really fascinating thought. He actually argues in this book that scientists have done what religious people are accused of doing and actually do. He said that when there is a gap in life, something we don't understand, something that doesn't make sense, something that we don't have language for, religious people say, God did it because we don't have words for it. It doesn't really make sense. We don't really have language for it. We can't quite understand it. And so what religious people do is we, we say, it must be a God thing, right? But then he actually says that scientists in the science world does the same thing. When there is a gap, when they don't understand, when they aren't sure and they don't have language for it, he says that scientists say, Natural selection did it. And according to Thomas Nagel, who is an atheist, he actually says that that's a faith-based statement, just like if it was a religious person saying God did it, a scientist is making an assumption on faith that natural selection did it. But that's not what I want you to see. What I want you to see is Thomas Nagel getting honest with himself. And he makes a confession in this book 
that I think for a lot of us, it would make us a bit uncomfortable. Maybe we would be a bit unwilling to admit what Thomas actually admits. Here's his confession. I want atheism to be true. And I am made uneasy by the fact that some of the most intelligent and well-informed people I know are religious believers. He doesn't like it that the most brilliant people that are in his life are actually religious or specifically followers of Jesus. Like that messes with him. And here's why it messes with him. And here's what I want you to see in what he admits to. It isn't just that I don't believe in God and naturally I hope that I'm right in my belief. Here are his words. It's that I hope that there is no God. I don't want there to be a God. I don't want the universe to be like that. Nagel admits something because he got honest with himself. He admits something that maybe a lot of us are afraid to admit. Thomas Nagel doesn't just not believe. He doesn't want to believe. And it's frustrating when he sees other people believe. Now here's what this has to do with you. You might have decided to walk away or stay away or you're thinking about walking away or staying away or you know someone or like someone or love someone that has walked away or stayed away. The thing that we often are unwilling to admit is that maybe it isn't just about us not believing anymore. It's that we don't want to believe. There's a big difference between I don't believe and I don't want to believe. I don't believe it says, I used to, something happened, and so I decided that I'm not sure about this anymore. And some of you here in the room and some of you online might fit into that category. But I don't want to believe has more to do with your will and your desires and your appetites. There is a because. So I have a question for you. Are you choosing to walk away or stay away or choosing, considering walking away or staying away? Did you lose faith because of something that happened or something you read or something you learned or something that was confusing? Or did you stop believing because faith started to become a bit inconvenient for you? Now, at the risk of ruining this entire series, I ask you that question. And this is why I wanted to invite you to be honest with yourself. You don't have to be honest with me. I'm just inviting you to be honest with you. Maybe. Maybe you realize that I don't want to believe. And because you realize that, you started gathering data that would support what it is that you don't want to believe in. Because often that happens in our lives, in our stories. And, and here's, here's the good news. If you just aren't sure what to believe, or you read something, learned something that confused you, and so you're not antagonistic towards God or towards faith or towards religion, you're just not sure where you stand, that's fine. 
You're welcome here. I'm glad that you're here. Obviously, you're searching, you're intrigued. Something's drawn you in. But here's the good news. If you just don't believe, there is a plethora of information that could give you a really great direction. You don't have to stay where you're at. And if you want to spend some time just talking about that information, let's hang. Because there is so much information out there that is essential to our belief in a real Jesus who really lived and really died and his tomb is really empty. But if, hear me, if your departure from faith has to do with will or want, then information will never be enough for you. This is why for some of you who love your friends or family members or children who have walked away or who have stayed away, this is why your conversations go nowhere because they are not looking for more information because they don't want to believe. And there's a difference between I don't believe and I don't wanna believe. There is nothing that would change their mind and there perhaps is nothing that would change your mind. This is why you need to get honest with yourself. Blaise Pascal is a philosopher who once said people almost invariably arrive at their beliefs, not on the basis of proof, but on the basis of what they find attractive. And I think all of us, we, we feel that in our bones because we are, we are not often on a truth quest. More often, we are on a happiness quest. And happiness isn't bad. But often when we run into happiness or run into truth, we're going to choose happiness over truth. And all of us are guilty of this. St. Augustine once said that we love the truth when it enlightens us and we hate the truth when it convicts us. You liked that one, didn't you? Think back to uh, when you were growing up. For some of you, it might just be like today because you're still at home with your parents and that's awesome. But do you remember the arguments that you would have with your parents? Do you remember the discussions that would take place between you and your mom and your dad? You know that in those discussions, in those arguments, if we're gonna be honest with ourselves, you know, and I know, and your parents know that you weren't trying to get to the truth. You just didn't want to get in trouble. You just wanted your way. And if you're somebody who is still living at home with mom and dad, maybe you're a teenager, or you're in elementary school, can I just give you a, 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 a kind of a spoiler alert on your parents? They're just trying to get their way too. <laughs> and we try to cover it in some truth and we're after the truth, but most often when we're arguing with our kids, it's because we're not getting our way. We're not getting what we want. James writes this in his letter in the scriptures. He says, what causes fights and quarrels among you? It's because you're not getting what you want. And often we're not in pursuit of truth. We're in pursuit of getting what we want. And if you won the argument with your mom and dad, you walked away knowing that you got your way, right? 
This, I think, is something that is in all of us. And when we don't acknowledge what we suspect to be true, we won't look for fear of what we might see. What does that mean? It means that there's more going on here than we're letting on or that we're willing to acknowledge. So the question that we have to wrestle with today is what is it? Do you not believe or do you not want to believe? And what's causing that in you? Because if, if, you, need, if you need information, there's, there's information out there. But if you don't want to believe, more information isn't going to help you. And again, at the risk of, of ruining our friendship, and at the risk of ruining this series, I, I just want you to consider this question. Are the reasons you stepped away from faith not the real reasons you give? Are the reasons that you're thinking about stepping away from faith not the real reasons that you give? Could there, could there be more going on in you that, and you're unwilling to let on? So you decided that I don't believe anymore, but really you don't want to believe anymore. And so you gathered all of the data and you have an arsenal of information that can hopefully prove why you don't believe anymore. And in reality, a lot of what you're saying is not actually true or it's not factually true or it's not historically true. It's just your perspective of it because you received it from somebody on social media or you Googled it or you found this information so that you wouldn't sound stupid. You wouldn't sound dumb. Today, I just want to give you permission to admit that maybe that's not it. That maybe there's more going on in you than you're admitting to. And maybe it might be one of three things. If there is a God, I'm guilty. If there is a God, you're guilty. If there is a God, we are guilty. Could it be that there are some things, some big things in your past that when you think about them, you're ashamed of them, you're embarrassed of them, you don't want to talk about them? It's why when somebody approaches you about that topic, you'll say something along the lines of, we're not talking about that. Or you'll change the subject. Or your family already knows that they aren't to bring that up because if they bring that up, then you're not going to address it. You're just going to get mad. Is there something in your past that you are ashamed of and afraid of and you know that it wasn't a mistake, but that it was an intentional decision that harmed you or hurt someone else? See, a mistake is I was taking a test and I put two plus two is five because my mind was somewhere else and I realized that that wasn't right. I made a mistake, so I need to erase it and I need to put four, right? But an intentional decision is something that you decided to do and then you did it. The writers of the scriptures, Jesus himself, they have, they have a word for this and it's not a word that is flattering in our culture. It's not a word that's even flattering for those that follow Jesus, but it's the reality of what is happening in you and in me and the word that Jesus uses and the word that the writers of the scriptures use is sin. In fact, they call us sinners. It's not people who mistaked their way into something. It's people who decided to do something that they knew would not honor them or honor others or honor God. 
And a lot of us have a lot in our story that we might be ashamed of or afraid of. And maybe perhaps it's one of the reasons why you don't want to get honest and don't want to admit that there is a God. Because if you admit that there is a God, then it opens up the doors for the thing that you have shoved down for far too long. The thing that you think nobody knows about that you've tried to keep quiet. The thing that you're ashamed of and embarrassed of. You've convinced yourself that you're dad. And dads don't mess up and dads don't falter and dads don't fail. And so I can't do any of this. I can't admit to this because my kids are watching. You've convinced yourself I'm mom. And mom's got to hold it together. And I don't want to be a burden on anybody else. A mom always carries everybody else's burdens. You've convinced yourself that I can't share that with my parents. I mean, they're paying for college and they're helping me with my car and they're paying some of my bills. And I don't want them to know that I'm carrying all of this weight. I think for a lot of us, we don't want to admit that there might be something more going on in us. That's why we say, I don't believe, but really it's, I don't want to believe because if I believed that there is a God, then I'm guilty. And here's what I'm learning. Getting honest with yourself makes things better for yourself. Even if it means opening up the basement and letting out the demons that you have shoved down for far too long. Could it be that you don't want to believe because if there is a God, I'm accountable? I think, I think for a lot of us, we don't like that word accountable. I want you to be accountable because you promised, you said, you committed, come on, you need to be accountable, right? Isn't it so easy to hold our kids accountable? Hold our spouse or significant other accountable? Isn't it so easy to hold our politicians accountable? Actually, that's not easy at all. But isn't it, isn't it easy to talk about it? Isn't it easy to talk about it? Like, you know what they should do? Isn't it interesting when it, whenever it's about, it's not about us, it's always they. Well, I, I got the solution. They should hold them accountable. Yeah, you're right. You're right. And let's start with you. Wait, 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 wait. Because, because accountability is, means that you're, you're responsible. Accountability means that you, you actually are going to suffer the consequences of the good and the bad. Being accountable is difficult for humans because we like to make our own way and we like to play as if we are God. And we believe this lie of autonomy. Let me just do what I'm going to do. And I'll let you do what you're going to do. Listen, you may have heard me or one of our teachers up here say over the last few weeks, it's your life and you can do what you can do. And the, the truth is, is that's the truth. You can make all the decisions you want, good, bad, ugly. You can make all of those decisions. But if you're a follower of Jesus, we have to pay attention to this. 
If you're a follower of Jesus, we have to be reminded of this, that autonomy is actually dangerous for you and for me. When we think that we can just live autonomous lives and that we can just control our own lives, we end up in a place where we don't have life at all because we're unaccountable and it leads to regret. And unaccountable people often make regretful decisions because there's nothing that's holding them to something better. And if you are the God of you, then you will violate the values that you have set up for you. You'll change and you'll pivot what it is that you believe rather than your behavior. Because isn't it true that it's easy to change what you believe? It's a whole lot more difficult to change how you behave. And so if this is pressing on me a bit too much, then guess what? I don't think I believe anymore. But I think, I think for a lot of us, If we get honest with ourselves, we'll realize that that's what's really going on. And that we're just, we're afraid of being held accountable to something bigger and better. And the truth is, is you want to be held accountable to something bigger and better because you hold your kids, your spouse, your significant other, your family, you hold this world to something better. You long for it to be better. And the better thing is actually you not being God, but God being God. That's the better thing. Or could it be that if there is a God that I'm... Could it be that if there is a God that I'm... I'll get it. Hold on. Could it be that if there is a God, I'm wrong? Can I just be honest with you? I, I hate being wrong. I hate being wrong. I hate being wrong in my house. I hate being wrong in my marriage. I hate being wrong in my parenting. I hate being wrong when I meet with the incredible people that make up our elder board at this church. I hate being wrong. And what, is, what I find in me is, is I try to pivot around being wrong. Well, actually, you ever started a conversation that way? Well, here's, here's my intention. Yeah, great. I'm glad that that was your intention. We don't think that you're an evil, awful, rotten person. But maybe when we get honest with ourselves, we have to admit that, that perhaps that decision or that choice or that moment wasn't good. Maybe... Maybe we were wrong. And you know what that is in us, not wanting to admit that we're wrong? It's something that the writers of the scriptures call pride. Pride. Ego. The thing that you don't like about everybody else. The thing that you would call out in your kids, you would call out in those you love. The better way forward is the path of humility. Paul writes this in a letter to the church in Philippi, a letter called Philippians. He says, Jesus, who being in the very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but instead surrendered his rights, gave up what he could flex on, put aside the resume, and became like you, became like me. He humbled himself, taking on the very nature and status, and Paul says, of a slave. 
and then lived a selfless, obedient life and died a selfless, obedient death, death on the cross. If you're not a follower of Jesus, this is something that you can consider. The way of humility is better than the way of pride. But if you are a follower of Jesus, hear me, this is a non-negotiable. This is the way of Jesus. This is what you signed up for. This is what I signed up for. Friends, admitting that you've been wrong is always the most direct route to what is right. And by the way, if you are arguing against God, I just want to give you some help. An argument of, against God doesn't start with, if God, then. That, that's, that's a response to something that you say that you don't believe in. I loved what Jess said last week about justice and injustice. Now, there's no justice in the world, so there must not be a God. But if we get rid of God, then we define justice by what we think it is. And I can't argue with you and you can't argue with me. See, far too often we're trying to get rid of God when in fact God is the one that gives us categories for what is good and right and true. Therefore, we know what isn't good and isn't right and isn't true. Are you with me? And that's, that's found in the way of humility. And I wanna invite you to be honest with yourself that maybe perhaps some of your arguments towards God or against God came, not because you don't believe or don't believe anymore, it's because you don't want to believe. Which brings us to some good news. When we actually acknowledge that the issue in us is our resistance and not God's existence, it changes everything for us. That maybe perhaps You've made a decision that rightly so has been shaped and influenced by how you were mistreated by somebody who wore the title of pastor or had the authority of father or was somebody that carried the faith of Jesus, but it wasn't communicated through what they said or what they did in a way that brings hope and brings life. And if that's the reason why you're struggling with faith, I am in no, I'm in no person that can, that can stand and, and, and apologize and solve that. But what I can say to you is that I'm so sorry that that was your experience. Full stop. I'm not gonna say, but and and, and God works all things for the good. Like all of that is true. But it doesn't resolve the pain that you went through or the way that you were treated or how you were just, dismissed. That's why the way of humility is the way of Jesus. But if we admit that it's not about God's existence, but maybe our resistance, everything could change. And here's why. Because if Jesus was correct, and he was, then there is forgiveness, and there is freedom, and there is a way forward because sin suddenly becomes the platform where God shows off. For those of you that have kids or remember being a kid, you remember painting the picture, drawing the picture, 
and then bringing that to your mom or to your dad or someone that you love. And now that you look back on it because your mom has saved it since you were like six, or maybe that's just my story, but, but your mom has, you look back and you're like, that was the ugliest thing I've ever like painted or drew. But what did they do when they saw it? They were like, whoa, this is beautiful. This is marvelous. This is lovely. This is powerful. Thank you for this. Here's, here's what Jesus has done. Here's what the cross has done, is that you and I are receiving the painting or the picture, except it's not, it's not something that we have to lie about or pretend that looks good, but it's actually something that's real and true, and it's real and true for you. This is where Paul writes the powerful words of Romans chapter 5, verse 8, where he says, but... God, but God, if there's a God, I'm guilty. If there's a God, I'm accountable. If there's a God that I'm wrong, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. sinner. I did it on purpose. I'm wrong. I need to be held accountable. I don't want to live autonomously. This is why confession is so powerful in, in following Jesus. Demonstrated. God showed his love on purpose. It wasn't like, oh, you messed it up again. Okay, hold on. Let me, let me turn off the TV. Let me, let me hang up the phone. Let me stop texting. And I'll be there in like 15 minutes. You, you, do you really need me? Can you figure it out? No, God, God moved before we even knew that he was going to move. I've had friends and family who don't hold the same convictions that I hold. Maybe you've had friends and family in your life that feel the same way. And, and one of them asked me recently, like, why didn't God just forgive everybody? Like, like why couldn't he just be like a, like a, right? Like, couldn't, couldn't he just like wave the Harry Potter magic wand? Couldn't he just like click his heels together like Dorothy? Couldn't he just, couldn't he just forget? Why didn't he forgive everybody? Why did it have to be so brutal and so violent and so bloody and so gross? Why is that? And the reason why he did it the way that he did it is because you don't enter into relationship with somebody that you are unwilling to sacrifice for. That's why Jesus came. That's why Jesus died. How will I know that you love me if you don't sacrifice for me? And how will you know if I love you if you, I won't sacrifice for you? God didn't come and say, I'm God, and so therefore bend the knee, and all of us probably would have bent the knee because that's what we do because God is God and we are not and we probably would have been intimidated and we probably would have been afraid and we probably would have been like, I, I'm going to cower down because I don't want him to kill me. Doesn't that sound like a really healthy relationship? But instead, you know what God did? He showed up like you and me. 
and he dies. The worst kind of death, but don't miss this, the most unmissable death. Thomas Nagel says, I know that Jesus really lived, really died, and his tomb is really empty. I'm just not sure about what that means for my life. I don't want this to be true. So all that information doesn't change my heart. But what Paul writes to us is information that has the potential to change your life. God demonstrates on the greatest platform his love for you and his love for me. And I guess my question to you is, do you really want to live outside of that? I get it. I don't believe and I need some more information. Let's find the information. I get it. I don't, I don't want to believe because I'm just not sure about this. It's become a bit inconvenient. The question that we have to wrestle with is do we really want to live outside of a God who is all in for us until the end? Do I really want to live outside of that? You long for healthy relationships and healthy marriages and healthy parenting. It's why you're here. It's why you've been at parenting groups. It's why you have conversations. It's why you have books. It's why you read. It's why you Google search. Because you're looking for help. The greatest help is found in the person and in the work of Jesus. And if you get honest with yourself, it might be that you're struggling with your faith because you've made a decision along the line somewhere in your story. I just don't want this. And if that's you, it's your life. You can make that decision. But what I want to invite you into, what I hope that you see, is that there is a God who still pursues you, even if you don't want it. So who, who wants God? None of us. But who needs God? All of us. This is why, friends, I want to invite you to not just be a believer, but to be a doer, to be a follower. And one of the ways that you can follow Jesus is choose to go public with your faith in Jesus through baptism next Sunday at Easter. Because that that moment is your moment to say, this matters. This is important. Jesus is Lord, and I'm not going to keep it quiet. I'm not going to keep it private. I know that grandma, when she was raising you, I know that grandpa, when he would talk to you, they wouldn't talk about those things because they communicated to you that faith is always this private thing that you kind of keep over here. And Jesus goes, mm, I uh, would like to disagree with that. Because his love for you was not something that he kept quiet. His love for you was something that was painted across all of time through the cross and through the resurrection. So today I want to invite you to make a decision to go public with your faith and get baptized. And you can sign up at Guest Central if you're here on campus to do that. But before we do that, I just want to pray some words over you and then in that moment of praying over you, I, I want to just create a space where you can say some things to God. Maybe for the first time or for the first time in a long time, or maybe you just need a space to be able to talk with God. And so I want to, I want to create a space for that today. So let me pray some words over you. Heavenly Father, we, we have all the information we need. We have... We have all of the love 
that you can give. We have everything we need for life and godliness. The thing that's keeping us from you is what we want and what we desire and what we long for. So I pray that today that you, your words, your grace, your compassion, your love would cut through that so that we're not gonna have to sit in that anymore. That we don't have to be the people who have to pretend that everything's okay that we could be the people that say, listen, I don't believe and I'm looking and I'm searching and I'm wanting, I'm wanting this instead of having to cover it up. God, we're guilty. Let's, we're gonna admit it. God, we need to be held accountable. We're gonna admit it. God, we're wrong. We're gonna admit it. And your response to that is to demonstrate your love for us through Jesus Christ on the cross. And so I pray for each individual in this room and watching online that need to make a decision, trust in you. And if that's you, with your eyes closed, with your head bowed, quietly, privately to God, you can, you can say these words, Heavenly Father, would you please forgive me? Help me to trust in you because of the work of Jesus on the cross and through the resurrection. Would you be my Lord? And would you be my savior? God, we pray all of these things in the name of Jesus. And together we say amen and amen and amen. The best way, the best way to finish our time together is in communion. And there are tables to the right and to the left and in the back. And I wanna invite you to take communion with us today. The cracker and the juice represent the body and the blood of Jesus. This highly violent, graphic, maybe even disgusting moment, if you saw it, is God sacrificing for you because that's what he wants, a relationship with you. And he wants you to know that he loves you. And that's why he gave his life for you. And so in the next few minutes, I wanna invite you to grab communion and bring it back to your seat and then our team will lead us in one.